Hey guys, this is Mike Mahaffey, the old bastard BJJ guy, here for BJJ Mental Models. Back in my day, we had to walk uphill in the snow both ways to get to the academy just to learn some crappy technique from a random purple belt. You kids have it so easy, because now you can just subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium and get tons of great audio courses to learn new techniques, enhance your mindset, and entertain yourself. You can even get personalized rolling reviews from some of your favorite BJJ Mental Models coaches, including me. It's like having your own seminar, you spoiled little whippersnappers. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium right now, get off my lawn, and go train. Definitely not Matt Kwan. You got some regular hype people here running the show. Uh, Master Rob Bernanke has given some clothing to the house elves, and they are off on their own, uh, probably getting chased by cats or some shit. What is this a reference to? It's Harry Potter. Fuck, I don't watch kids' movies, so... I mean, it gets pretty dark later. It becomes young adult material. Thank you very much. I'm a major fan. But we're here because, well, Rob's in his 40s and couldn't get his microphone to work when trying to do this podcast with Steve the other day because the internet stopped working. Yeah. At my mom's house. (laughs) All right. So we're here talking about Kazushi. Which is something that uh, we've they've talked about before on BGJ Mental Models. But yeah. Why are we talking about it today? Because I have to shamelessly flog my new instructional with Stefan Kesting. Which is on? Uh, GrappleArts.com or the GrappleArts Master app. And that has to do with Kazushi and grip fighting, I believe. Yes, it's the Kazushi and grip fighting formula, um, which is based on uh, the idea of Kazushi and grip fighting specifically from the guard. Okay. That's actually... A- that's got to be a pretty interesting topic to actually try and do an instructional on. Like, obviously, I'm a black belt under you. Yep. I know most of the stuff that you're probably teaching, but I, I haven't actually talked to you about this instructional and what it actually looks out laying that out. So can you go a little bit further into first Kazushi again for the people that aren't as possibly up to date with it and how that ties into the concept of our overarching concept of alignment? Uh, yeah, so the, the idea behind this uh, instructional was just for anybody who's familiar with my work and has uh, understands what we mean when we say alignment, which is base posture and structure combined create alignment, which is sort of a, an optimal way to position your body to generate a, an absorb force. Uh, and that's a it's a good way of viewing jujitsu. Like obviously, people who like my stuff think it's a good way of viewing jujitsu uh, because it eliminates the reliance on collecting a bunch of techniques to be effective uh, and also it eliminates the 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 flaw with that which is that you can collect a bunch of techniques and still not be effective because the way that you are applying those techniques misunderstands what makes the techniques work the the, the techniques themselves even the, the mechanics of the techniques themselves are not what make most of the things that we do in jiu-jitsu work it's the rendering of vulnerability in our opponent that makes those things work and that vulnerability is created by breaking our opponent's alignment somebody who has proper posture proper structure proper base is not really vulnerable to being put in an arm bar or a 
heel hook or whatever. So we have to take our opponent's alignment away from them in some capacity. And that's a nice theoretical framework. And obviously in some of my instructionals, we start out with that. Well, in all of my instructionals, we start out with that. And then we move out to the techniques which allow you to specifically, like show methods specifically for breaking that alignment. Uh, but as far as like an, an overall frontline, you know, how do we keep things from going bad? How do we become offensive earlier? Uh, as far as a, an approach to breaking our opponent's alignment, again, specifically from the guard, the probably the most practical, best frontline way of doing it is to have good grip fighting and then good Kazushi. It's like our, our grip fighting is our first line of defense that becomes offense, and our Kazushi is our first line of uh, creating vulnerability where the rest of our guard offense becomes viable. And that's something that is like, this is not taught well enough in if, if it's taught at all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know Danaher is one of the other leading forefronts of like actually talking about the importance of grip fighting and we're seeing that with the Danaher death squad. And I can't, I can't recall how many people I have either trained with from visiting students or going to other gyms where they want to push the pace and they want to get to a certain guard or a specific position, but they don't know how to grip fight to initiate creating some vulnerability to get there. Yep. And even times where I'm in someone's X guard or various kinds of guard and they, are allowing me to stand there in proper alignment while they're trying to launch no their attack. No Kazushi. No Kazushi, no vulnerability credit, and I end up just passing their guard. So how do you break this down? Like, is it just talking about grip fighting first and different sequences and then talking about Kazushis that come from that? Well, like like all of the instructionals that I've done with Stefan, we start out with the conceptual underpinning. Uh, and so, like, you know, our general concepts, like anybody that's got my materials can probably skip, like any, if you have any of my other instructionals or any particular instructional of mine, you can skip the first part of any one of the other, like the first couple of videos. Yeah, because, burn that DVD. Yeah, because it just, it, it, it explains a line and base posture structure frames and levers like the the sort of foundational concepts of island top team jiu-jitsu if you want to call it that uh so you know obviously we start out with that and then we get into uh different types of kazushi and then we get into uh like pretty specific grip fighting concepts so like we've got our overarching concepts and you know the same as we would have done let's say with the leg lock instructional which is there are overarching concepts that apply to jiu-jitsu and then we want to have some specific concepts that apply to grip fighting that apply to kazushi so like if you if you go on stefan's youtube channel you can see some of the the clips that he's put out so far by like you know delineating the different types of kazushi and then uh why grip fighting is important and how it can work and uh you can look at the chapter list if you go on the master app you can look at the chapter list which would you I mind should... just breaking that down briefly of the different types of Kazushi because that's like you and I have talked about Kazushi a lot but I don't think I've heard you break it down into different categories so on the app as I see it we've got the first volume is grip fighting concepts and, and optimal uh, grips uh, grip breaks uh, gi and no gi gripping sequences and then we've got seated and recumbent guard Kazushi and closed guard Kazushi so um, for instance we would start out with the the idea of like what is grip fighting and kazushi and then we talk about what is good alignment so obviously anyone who's got my material will uh will understand that and then we talk about creating and controlling levers uh so that's a super important conceptual thing regarding both grip fighting and kazushis like when we talk about the three types of kazushi which is what you asked about we've got uh hanging blocking and intercepting so right? like i might use a hanging kazushi where i grab your collar and i'm collar dragging you that would be an example of a hanging kazushi that 
can, and then you know, another thing we should sort of talk about is a lot of the Kazushis that we show, they're Kazushis on good people. They become sweeps on not so good people. You just, you, you do a basic Kazushi and people fall down. Uh, so a, a collar drag would be an example of something that like by itself, you won't generally just collar drag someone right down to the ground, but it'll create the opportunity to do a single leg, to create some sort of follow-up attack. So that would be an example of a, um, of a hanging Kazushi. Uh, a blocking Kazushi would be, uh, if we want to tie in the levers, let's say I've got a two-on-one grip on you, uh, and I block your ankle and I pull. I've blocked something, I've blocked uh, your ability to extend your base, and that's going to cause you to go off balance. Uh, and then intercepting Kazushi would be like foot sweep type stuff. So like somebody goes to take a step, you, you kick their foot out from underneath them. So the stuff that takes a little more timing. Way more timing. Like that one is one that like really only advanced practitioners, well, at least at least intermediate, but usually advanced practitioners are they're the only ones that are able to apply it reliably on other people. But the first two, the hanging and the blocking, pretty much anyone can do with a you know fairly minimal amount of training. Yeah, and it's providing, that, like you said, this should work on good people to create that vulnerability because if we look at the differences of a white belt and a black belt, the white belt is going to fall flat on their face or they're going to post out in some obscene position that breaks their alignment where a black belt's going to have control of their center of gravity, their momentum. But we're still going to create that vulnerability, making them react to it, and then that's going to set you up for the follow-up attack. So I guess you're – are you teaching mostly just the Kazushis and then giving – some ideas, food for thought on like what follow-up attacks would be, or are you showing those tied in as sequences? What we've tried to do is go, we've, we've taught specific hand fighting sequences, offensive, defensive hand fighting sequences. Uh, and we've taught how those can tie together to the basic Kazushis from any guard situation you should find yourself in. So, you know, seated engagement phase type stuff, recumbent guard, closed guard. We, for, you know, time and space considerations, we didn't really get much into the follow-up tax. So there are a couple of examples of it, but what we really wanted to do was give people a pretty simple resource. It's like, I mean, if you do jiu-jitsu and you play guard, you have sweeps that you like to do. I probably don't need to teach you those sweeps. Although if you want me to teach you those sweeps, just go ahead and sign up to bjjconcepts.net and I'm, I'm happy to do that. But the, you know, the idea behind the instructional wasn't, we're going to take you from step one to step two to step three to step four. We just want to give you step one with the grip fighting and we want to give you step two with the Kazushi. And that should be the, to, you know, to borrow a, a phrase from Preet Mickelson, that should be the glue that allows everything else to stick. So, you know, if you've been taught single leg X sweeps or you've been taught sort of spider guard sweeps from wherever, but you've struggled to execute them against better people because you haven't done the grip fighting because you don't understand the Kazushi, here's a tool that gives you that, that foundation and that allows you to then play the rest of your game however you would be inclined. That's what I think is kind of unique about an instructional on grip fighting and Kazushi is that it is universal. And so it's one thing for me, like working on a Mantis Guard instructional right now, if you're not interested in Mantis Guard, then I can fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> but regardless of the guard that you're interested in, this is the kind of stuff that you have to be able to accomplish from any kind Anywhere, of yeah. Absolutely. Uh, anything else that we should know about this instructional? Uh, it's a part of a two-part series. So uh, we did a, a, the, the, the first in instructional on this topic, and then the follow-up or the companion to this is on the 
the two-on-one guard and the, the arm drag and the two-on-one guard. The two-on-one guard being like the, the wrist and elbow control that you see played primarily originally, I guess, by Marcelo Garcia. Danner's guys do it quite a bit too. Uh, I know Eddie Cummings had a, a huge, um, development role in that. That's where I learned a lot of the gripping that I used to start to create a, you know, a guard system around the, the two-on-one. So like, you know, at our academy, how much we play that type of guard and, and how well it connects to the arm drag. And because these are the, you know, the, the, the uh, what's the, the, the arm drag, we view it very much like we would view, let's say the Kimura uh, or the arm bar. It's, it's a control position. We can get to the arm drag position. So I think for the most part, people think of the arm drag as it's just a move. Whereas uh, because we had created this foundation of here's your grip fighting, here's how you can win that part. And then here's your Kazushi, here's how you can create some vulnerability. The most logical thing to connect it to for people who wanted to go further and have, uh, you know, an instructional on like, okay, now I've got the the grip fighting one, I've, I've achieved the Kazushi, then what do I do with it if I'm maybe not going to play spider guard, whatever. Uh, the most logical progression from there, if I'm going to build layers of offense, uh, would be an arm drag and a two-on-one guard having just won the the grip fight so that it's if people are inclined to receive sort of you know further uh tutelage from me on the topic this will be a good introduction to that and the the, the two instructionals are instructionals are kind of designed to complement one another yeah that would tie in really well together because as you start to beat the hands or get wrist grips if we look at for like a high concentration of force where we can have two of our arms dominating um, the control of one of the arms yeah then uh, that would be gonna lead to you being very successful and that's something that like i always understood was important but i really didn't start taking advantage of in my game until probably about brown belt or black belt where it's like oh wait this actually is so powerful it can become boring sometimes to just (laughs) arm drag your training partners (laughs) over and over again in the round yeah but it's so effective and having that repetition like that in the gym is a good thing. You want to keep replicating that. Yeah, and I like. I think you know this that I I got so bored of arm dragging people. I almost forgot that I could. There's a period of time, especially you know when when COVID first hit, where I didn't train for a while, and then you know started pod training, and I was training with Cal. For those of you who don't know, that's our other black belt that currently teaches at Island Top Team, uh, and. We were rolling and uh, we'd gotten into these, these weird rhythms of like, you know, he would do his specific passing and I would do my specific guard. And I just, I realized at one point, like, I never try to arm drag here, but it totally works. Why don't I do it? And then I did it and like arm dragged him a bunch of times, like directly onto his back and not a bunch of times, but like, you know, a few times in a training session. And, uh, yeah, it's just even for someone like me who like the foundation of my guard when I became a black belt was, the arm drag, basically, like half guard, butterfly guard, arm drags, right? Like you were there at the beginning, so you know how much I taught it. You know how much, you know, someone like Shane was able to take it and like, you know. Shane ab- destroyed people. Abuse people with arm drags. Uh, and just how much we repped it and how many variations and how much understanding we have about the position. Uh, yeah. And then you just walk away from it for a bit because you're like, this is getting boring it's- and I want to try different things. Oh, uh, yeah. You want to try different things and those other things become your game. And the arm drag is so powerful. Powerful that even though I've really developed a very different style of guard since then, I can still just go right back to it whenever I want, just by literally going, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna try to arm drag people." 
from a self-defense perspective too, like from doing security work, and I know it was similar for you, bouncing, this was like 98% of what I did. It's, I think every bouncing encounter that I had involved at least one arm drag. Yeah. And whether it was actual full, like complete arm drags like we do in the gym or just anything that I can get that cross attachment from my right shoulder, right arm to my opponent's right arm, even off of handshakes, I would sometimes play dirty and do that against really drunk guys and yep. just drag them across. Do we want to talk about the like relative magic of Kuzushi and grip fighting at the you know beginner level and how OP it is, and then as we go up to higher and higher levels, how difficult it becomes? Uh, very much like like any of the stuff that we talk about in our uh, you know whether it's a BJJ concept, some of the the material that uh, I have with Stefan, the material that you have in terms of guard retention uh, that you've put out with Stefan, the experiences that people have when they come here, you know, through our visiting student program, and these sort of these um, you know they're not hidden. They're like these are the most important things in jiu-jitsu: guard retention, like basic passing positions, understanding balance, and it's like sweep recovery. Sweep recovery is a huge thing that most people, unless they are very active amateur or professional competitors, they just don't do it. Right? Like we have brown belts who come to our gym who don't know how to recover from being knocked down. They just if they get knocked down, they just stay down. They're happy to play guard. They're happy to play guard. Um, and so Kazushi and grip fighting is one of those things. So what, what, uh, you know, this is almost like a, a caveat type thing for, um, you know, because I, I, since this is such an exercise in selling you a product, uh, I like to be as, uh, uh, as genuine as I can, uh, in that sort of stuff and present it as what it is and not what it isn't. Uh, you know, Kazushi works amazingly well on beginners, intermediate people, so much so that you will just sweep people with it. Grip fighting works amazingly well on beginners and intermediate people, so much so that if you just do it, you will easily get to... You could get two-on-one control on a white belt, and they're still going to push forward. They're going to push forward and let you... It's time Exactly. So you will get these things to happen, and they're so foundationally important to anything else that should be possible against people who understand jiu-jitsu, the people who don't understand jiu-jitsu will just fall into whatever you want to do. As you deal with better and better people, this stuff goes from being OP to just being a basic requirement for effectiveness. So like, you know, we would talk about how my Kazushi barely works on you. You know, when you and I roll, yeah. you know, like if, if, if you, as a, as an advanced practitioner, if you get this and you're hoping that it's just going to like totally change your game and make you able to kick black belts asses, like, no, but what it'll probably do is stop certain black belts from kicking your ass because you'll, it'll at least even the playing field. So I, I just want to make sure that like the expectations are, uh, are set for, you know, for reality. Uh, and like, I think this is a really cool thing. I think it works really well. But as you and I know, it, you know, like I can off balance somebody really good. And then they're so good at recovering from being put off balance that my yeah. follow-up sweep may not work, or I may just not be good enough to tie the movements together quickly enough to get someone really good. But if I don't do the initial movement, I have absolutely no That's chance. That's what you're saying. Yeah. It's a basic requirement. So it's, yeah. it's not like you have a choice because the times that you try to have something offensive happen to me, if you haven't created a bit of vulnerability first with a Kazushi, 
I'll probably make you pay for it because anytime we start trying to mount offense, whether it's within jiu-jitsu we're trying to move forward or if you look at boxers when they open up when they have to try and strike the opponent, that's when you become There's vulnerability. vulnerability. Yeah, so for, for those of you that aren't familiar with who I am or who Rory is, uh, I'm about 6'2", uh, and Rory is about six five. Yeah. And it's not a tremendous height difference, but Rory's got some anatomical irregularities. He's got really long limbs. Uh, and so my ability to off balance Rory is limited. Like I can do my Kazushi properly and not move him around very much, but I can speak from, you know, so let's say relatively recent experience, you know, where I would say Rory's my main training partner. I probably have more roles in with you than anybody else on the planet. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and so we go through with these phases of development and, uh, you know, one person might develop a particular skill and that puts them sort of ahead in an arms race and then the other person has to recover. So for a little while there, you were really focused on uh, passing and still are to a certain degree. And we went through a phase where all our roles were basically me defending guard passes and I wasn't able to generate very much offense because I was reacting too late. I, I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm, we're not going to grip fight or I'm going to try to do something offensive. And if it doesn't work, then whatever. Uh, and you were getting to really strong passing positions. Uh, and we had some really like boring stalemate rounds where I was just like, well, there's nothing I can do here. I can't try to attack you from here because you're in a passing position. And so I just have to very slowly <laughs> try to keep you from passing and try to get back to a better guard. But our more recent roles, because I, it, I think um, I've focused more on the grip fighting and Kazushi aspect of it because it's been on my mind because of the instructional, you're no longer getting to those same deep passing positions very often. And the, the battles that we're having are more uh, – they're farther out. They're more in my interest than they were previously. So – Absolutely. And this is where kind of coming back to full circle, it's like as black belts or even like any any of the belt levels, we drill a technique or several techniques in a class. Mm -hmm. And so you'll work on some sweep, you'll work on some different submission, and you can reach like even black belt level at a certain butterfly sweep. Yeah. But there's always that little bit of range battle, that engagement phase where as the passer, I'm going to be initiating my guard passes and trying to create an offensive cycle for myself. At the same time, you're trying to win a grip scheme that allows you to have control over me that then you can start an offensive cycle. And as you were referencing there, it's like I got pretty good at making sure that you couldn't create any vulnerability with me. And I kept you in basically this defensive cycle over and over while I could just keep trying all the different things. Yeah. And then sometimes you'd manage to make a little kazushi happen at the very end. And then I would lose multiple ranges because yeah. you managed to get that butterfly hook back in or something that then allowed you to frame me out and push me back to a further distance. Yeah. But now, the techniques that you're using in the sense of, like, sweeps and submissions haven't changed, haven't upgraded at all. Nope. But how you're going about meticulously making sure that I'm not dominating certain control schemes yeah. is the thing that's made all the difference that's frustrating as fuck. It's, and, and it feels so much better for me. So, like, you know, if I can really try to sell you this, you know, like, if you've got a training partner that's really effective at shutting your guard down and getting to passing positions and fucking you up, uh, understanding and improving your grip fighting in Kazushi, even if it's not a tremendous technical advancement, because it's not like I didn't know this stuff. It's just stuff I wasn't focusing on doing because 
I was probably stubbornly trying to like, you know, beat you where you're strong. Like, oh, fuck you, Rory, is, was kind of the attitude. And I mean, that's still my attitude in life in general, <laughs> not just in this specific situation. But like basically trying to stop being stubborn about it and just be more more tactical and just recognize that like – I. There's no reason that I should be able to beat you from a disadvantaged ground. And that, that just, you know, the, the, the sort of resentment that I have for you as a human being it was probably causing me <laughs> to be like, no, I'm going to fucking get you from here. Uh, you became emotionally compromised. Yeah, exactly. So that, yeah, that, that, the, this is, uh, if we have to sell this to you, if you've been emotionally compromised by a training partner and have lost some battles and you need to regain your sort of your neutrality and your tactical awareness, get this instructional uh, and it'll save you from you know, years of rage and frustration. This is something that is an important part of game planning. Like, we just keep circling back to this importance. And so, if I'm talking with somebody before they're going into a competition and we're trying to get somebody ready, we can start having these game plans where it's like, okay, well, I like going into the guard pull and I'm going to off that guard pull immediately look to break their uh, break their alignment, create vulnerability to go straight for a triangle, or I'm going to be looking immediately for a tripod sweep if they're posturing up. It's like, all right, cool. But what are you doing right before that to pull guard? What are you doing yeah. to initiate this grip fighting sequences so that at a very small level, at this one micro range where the hands first start to intersect each other, how are you dominating the hands, the fingers, or the wrists? How are you working up to the elbow? How are you getting straight to that collar? Because a good person's not going to allow you to do that. And this is where that problem keeps being uh, brought up where you can have these techniques that you work on and all of a sudden you go up against your coach or a visiting student that's an upper belt level and you might be like, man, I got like this. I'm a white belt that has like a purple belt level butterfly sweep, but nothing else. Yeah. But if I can't Get, get to there. that position. I'm I useless. Can, yeah, yeah, absolutely useless. Yeah, and so another way of um, viewing this, uh, because I like to get pretty uh, arcane with uh, uh, with how I explain this stuff, is if anybody's at all familiar with uh, chaos theory, uh, if you're not, the, um, look up the author. His name's James Gleck, uh, G-L-E-I-C-K, I think. Um, and he has a great book about it. Really... Uh, awesome book to read if you're a jiu-jitsu practitioner because it will definitely uh, open your eyes to how uh, chaos or chaotic systems versus linear systems. Uh, it'll, it'll give you a lot of insight into how chaotic systems and linear systems are represented in jiu-jitsu. So just to give you an example, um, a, a very linear system would be in mathematical terms, it's like, you know, uh, 10, 20, 40, it's exponential, but it's still linear. Whereas a chaotic system would be like one, five, seven thousand, ten million, like something that just can, can create really, um, random massive jumps. Like the, you know, the weather is a chaotic system. Uh, so in jujitsu, we have really linear, uh, and, and progressive, uh, systems positions, right? Like the mount is pretty linear. You're not going to get a huge amount of variation in what happens in the mount. I'm, I'm either going to get to the high mount or the S mount. Or I'm not. You know, you're either going to escape or you're not. The, 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 there tend to be pretty binary kind of choices. Whereas in the initial, like, the engagement phase at the beginning, that's insanely chaotic. Like, I, I could sit to guard. You could throw me and knock me out. You could flying armbar me. Like, there's, and there's so many variations. Guard passing is really chaotic. There are so many potential um, options. 
what we want to try to do is introduce a tiny bit of linearity to it uh, through the grip fighting. If I can, if I have to try to focus on every possible thing that could happen before we tie up, that's a lot to think about. But if I can narrow it down to, I'm going to try to get a hold of your wrist. Or I'm going to give you, like one of the strategies we talk about is like giving them your wrist, like stick your hand out, let them grab it. And then because we've invested so heavily into our understanding of grip fighting, we will now have an option tree that will hopefully be able to overwhelm our opponent who is not as familiar with uh, with the situation uh, as we are. So that, 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 what we're kind of trying to do here is take something that most people have really no understanding that it even exists to some degree, uh, which is insanely chaotic and give you a little bit of control of a scenario and try to remove a little bit of the chaos. Yeah, chaos theory is an interesting perspective to it because there is always this idea and like you said, it, it can take place in certain positions like say full mount because when I'm on top, my opponent's basically going to turn left or they're going to turn right. right. Yeah. Uh, but when we're looking at the grip fighting, it's pretty hard to have this idea. And I know it's something that I always tried to strive to achieve before I realized that it just really wasn't possible where it's like, I should be five moves ahead of my opponent. Yeah. But not, it's not, it doesn't it, work that it way. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. It's, uh, it's too much of a mess. But like you said, can we start to create more predictable responses? If I put my hand out and I can get them to grab my wrist, whether they're grabbing it with the mirrored side or like a cross grip, I know exactly how I can react off of that. Yeah. Or if I'm going for like the head and how, what kind of responses is that going to draw from my opponent? And then I can try and funnel in responses for those. Yeah, so the, 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 I guess part of the mission here is to make you, uh, you know, the Dark Knight to the to the Joker's agent of chaos. Uh, and the other thing I should touch on, if we're going to get into what's on the instructional, uh, there's been a lot more talk, thankfully, recently, uh, due to, uh, if, if you're not following him, uh, Andy at School of Grappling on Instagram, you know, Preet Mickelson's talking about it, I certainly talk about it, the idea of training methodology and gamification and how we can be more efficient efficient in how we learn. So we tried to do a more explanation of this in the instructional, which is we've given you the concepts, we've given you the, you know, the techniques that, that are going to, um, you know, flesh the concepts out and reify them, so to speak. And now what we're doing at the end of the instructional is giving you a method for, like we explain what gamification is, we explain what fuck your jujitsu is, which is a, a proprietary training method that we have here at Island Top Team, uh, and we give a lot of illustration on how to do it. So there will be chapters at the end of each uh, section uh, on how to gamify, how to perform fuck your jujitsu, and we've got uh, video footage of me doing the, the that like the, like doing the rounds with you and, and yeah. doing the voiceover. Yeah, we yeah, recorded. Yeah, uh, we like which again, it's it's sparring, but it's not necessarily sparring in the way a lot of people understand it. Uh, so that, that's another feature that uh, we tried to bring to the table in this instructional is really uh, give a good account of how you should be training to develop these you know intangible skills, which aren't really intangible. They're just not often trained at, at jiu-jitsu academies so absolutely yeah. I, I was even debating buying the instructional or at least trying to like I, get the access from from stefan to be like hey i'm kind of interested in seeing how rob laid this out if if, if you just do a really good job tonight i'll, I'll give it to you for free <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Uh, well, I think we've managed to talk about roughly half an hour uh, just plugging your instructional. So uh, thank you for listening to the worst episode of BGJ Mental Models ever. Uh, if anyone's still listening. Uh, hopefully, Steve, you can do something with this. Make us sound smarter about this. As much as I like to shit on Steve for using bullshit, thinking like Turtle is a, an offensive position. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? But he's pretty good at this editing stuff, so hopefully uh, we didn't screw this up too badly and you guys found some enjoyment from this. Even if you don't get the instructional, at least be thinking about Kazushi and the importance of grip fighting. Try and find, seek out any information that you can. Obviously, the information we're talking about is laid out for you. Yep. It would make a lot of sense. I highly recommend it. I've been learning from this fuckhead for <laughs> but the last eight years and it's been uh, it's been quite helpful. So, Anything you want to add, Rob? Uh, no, I, mean, I think we're supposed to do the whole like you know, check Rory out at RBVBJJ on uh, Instagram and his YouTube channel. Yep. Uh, Rory's got some amazing breakdowns uh, called The Science Behind Your Jiu-Jitsu yep. on our site, which is BJJConcepts.net or .com, uh, and some stuff on his YouTube channel about it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm at Island Top Team on Instagram. Uh, message me. I will probably respond. I mean... Especially if <laughs> you're always on your phone, you'll definitely yeah, understand. yeah. So uh, yeah, it's uh, we're pretty responsive, and uh, I always like to mention our visiting student program. If you haven't heard of it, once the world is no longer under the grip of COVID, um, hit me up, uh, email my school info at islandtopteam.com, and what we offer is a free week of training and accommodations in beautiful. Uh, Nanaimo, Vancouver Island, British Columbia, Canada. Uh, I just got a new house. It's even better than the last one for hosting people. How many visiting students have you had at this point? It's in the hundreds. We we average between 50 and 80 a year. We've what? literally had people from all over the world. All over the world. Because this sounds like the kind of thing where it's like, like this guy's trying, trying to lure heard of me. It. This he's sounds... trying to lure me into his house and bad things are going to happen. But well, I can't pretend that bad things aren't going to happen anyway. But but there's yeah, a lot of success stories. Totally, People totally. Gone away. Yeah, look it up. Um, you know, do your research. But you know, actual research, uh, and you'll find out all about this visiting student program. And we've yeah, like literally people from all over the world uh, have come here over the years uh, to train with us, and it's just it's a pay it forward type thing that uh, I do to um, contribute to the jujitsu community. So yeah, if you haven't heard of it and you're at all interested, um, do it. I'd love to meet you at some point. All right, thanks, guys.